Amen. It is very good to see you all. And uh, as you can see, we have that kind of transitional thing for us because for the first time in three months, we are now both an online and a real audience. What a joy that is. And I have to tell you, this has been an exciting day for me. It's been a very emotional day for me. Uh, last service, I was up here and, uh, and the berries were here and they can testify. I think I cried throughout the entire sermon. Uh, what a joy it is to see you guys. Uh, it's been three months since we've been in person. Uh, what a joy to be back together as the church. Uh, so today we will be in Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. And as you're turning there, you can see I've got my mask on, and many of you may be looking at it and going, why is he wearing a skull and crossbones? I'm not. This is Darth Vader and two cross lightsabers. This mask was given, uh, made by Debbie Simpson. Uh, we've had a, a group of amazing women making masks, and uh, she made this mask for me, uh, specifically found the fabric, so I've got to make that for Pastor Will. And so she dropped it off about a week ago. She had a, a kind of a version one of this mask and brought me a version two. But what neither one of us knew after she dropped it off later that night, the mask started glowing. And so every white that you see glows, and this is the greatest mass that was ever made in the history of humanity. So, Miss Debbie, if you're watching, I, am, I appreciate this mass so much. But let me ask you guys something, because today is a very uh, emotional sermon, uh, and uh, I would love to be able to put my facial expression into it. If you all are comfortable with it, uh, may I take my mask off? Is that all right? All right. Well, thank you, guys. As we move in today's sermon, I want you all to know, I've been planning this sermon for a while. I've been planning this day for a while. And I have been overjoyed as we began to come back together as a, uh, as a team to think about this day. And as we came to the 31st, uh, we were going to celebrate the Lord's Supper because that's, uh, it's the fifth Sunday. We haven't been together in forever. And what a way to come back together and enjoy one another is, is in the Lord's Supper. But I have to tell you, this sermon has had to change uh, throughout this week. And so this, there's not going to be the same structure that I would otherwise normally have because really today I want to speak from my heart. We're facing a crisis in our nation, one that we cannot ignore. This week has been desperately hard for America. It started, and it started even last, the end of last week, with arguments on whether church was even essential. I filled up my Facebook feed. Is church even essential as we begin a process of coming back together? And it has now ended with riots and cities burning. So tonight, today cannot be normal for us as Christians. I believe firmly that our nation has forgotten what it means to love our neighbors. And I am concerned that we as a church, and I don't mean Mint Hill, I mean the American church. We as an American church have also begun to forget what it means to love our neighbors. And why do I say that? Why do I say that we as a church are beginning to be affected by our culture and that we're beginning to uh, forget how to love our neighbors. And the simple answer to that is my Facebook feed. As I've been scrolling through my Facebook feed over these past few weeks, especially we've gotten into the depths of COVID-19, as I've been scrolling through my Facebook feed for the past 
week and even into the past few days, I, I have been amazed at the venom that has poured out on my Facebook page. And see, I have over about a thousand friends on Facebook. And those friends have come and been unified over the past 15 years of many different churches. So when I speak of my Facebook feed, the majority of the people that are on my Facebook feed are Christians. And so what I see posted and what I see said are coming from Christians. But there is so much venom. We are three days out, four days out, I believe, from when George Floyd was killed. A grave and awful injustice in our nation. And watching that video, I wept. I watched all nine minutes, and it should never be that. That should not be us. And it has changed from regret to now I see posts that are conspiracy theories that this is corporations are paying for the looting. I see antagonism against what's happening. And what was a unifying moment three days ago is now tearing apart again. And during COVID-19, as we have extended into this time, I have watched my brothers and my sisters begin to be horribly divided. Conspiracy theories abound about this disease. You have extremes on either side. Those who are on one side that say, if you go to church, if you go to work, if you don't wear a mask, you're killing me. I'm the one that's going to die. On the other end, there's been an extreme liberty. I don't have to wear a mask. You can't make me. I'll protest that. But in between that, those same groups are yelling at each other. And I expect that from the world. We should expect that from the world. But we should not expect that from Christians. I have literally, literally in my Facebook feed, watched individuals cuss out. And I'm not using that in a Christian term. I mean literally cuss people out about face masks, about conspiracies, about everything, yell at each other, tear each other down, unfriend one another, as if Christians can unfriend each other. I've said all along, if you've been watching online, that this disease is going to prove our hearts. It's going to prove our hearts as individuals. It's going to prove our hearts as Christians. It's going to prove our hearts as a nation. And we are seeing right now that we are given over to fear and we are given over to paranoia. We have seen a, a, a war rise up for our hearts and our minds. There's a war that is going on right now for our very souls. And it is playing out on every form of media we can see. This morning, as we gather, as a nation, as brothers and sisters, we are faced with grave injustice. We are faced with an illness no one was prepared for. But we are faced, I 
am convinced with a greater plague. And that plague is anger. And once where it was an undertone and held in check, it has burst forth. And we're seeing cities burn, and we're seeing friendships burn, and we're seeing churches burn. And so as a pastor, as I have been struggling with this, my wife can attest to it, I have been crushed by this. Pained in my heart and in my soul. Because it's coming from the mouth of believers. And I say, oh, Lord, how does this get fixed? What do I do in this? There's only, only one answer. Only one. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the only answer for what's happening. Jesus Christ. I had the opportunity yesterday to call and speak to Dr. Gibson. As you know, they are Greater Providence is a sister church of ours. We've had a relationship for over 20 years with them. And especially with what's going on, I reached out to him and said, uh, Dr. Gibson, I need your wisdom. I need you to speak into this. And he is so sweet, and he is so steady in his voice. But he said, Brother Will, I am old enough to remember Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I am old enough to remember those protests so I'm old enough to remember civil and peaceful protesting. He said, I do not condone this rioting. He said, it is terrible. He said, the wheels of justice, Brother Will, move so slowly. And as he continued to speak, he spent about half hour just pouring into my heart. He said, and, and this lifted me up, he said, brother, if you remember in 1991 with the, the riots that happened in L.A. after Rodney King was beaten, he said after that was all said and done, Rodney King uh, was approached by a reporter who said, you, you have the nation's ear. What would you say in this time? And we all remember what he says. Rodney King said, can't we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? And I have to tell you, in that moment, my heart soared. What a message. Can't we all just get along? And then when I hung up the phone with them, reality kind of came crashing back in, and the melancholy set back in. And I got to thinking about it, can't we all just get along? And the answer to that is no. We can't. We're proving it. But then a ray of God's light penetrated and said, we cannot get along apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We cannot get along apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And in fact, it is Christ's blood that unifies us. 
It brings us together, and that's what I want to focus on today. And you all pray for me. I, I managed to make it. We got out in 45 minutes in the first service. I'm going to try to do it again today. But that's what I want to focus on today as we partake in the Lord's Supper together. Because before the nation can be unified, Christians must be unified. I will say that again. Before the nation can be unified, Christians must be unified. And one of the most unifying things we can do as a body of believers is to partake in the Lord's Supper and have our minds focused on our Savior. And so I hope that as you came in, you all received one of these uh, packets that is both the bread and the juice. And if you were watching online at home, I hope that you have crackers and juice with you. As we go through this sermon, we will at the end uh, celebrate this together. But today... We symbolize our unity through the Lord's Supper, and it is a gathering together of the hearts of all believers, both in this room and online. So if you have found Luke chapter 22, if you would please stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. It says this, When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him, then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's pray. Mighty Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you that we have the opportunity to be gathered again in this building, Lord, but to be gathered unified together in homes and online. And Father, I pray for that unity. Father, I pray that you would speak. Lord, that you would bring your peace on our nation and on our city. And Father, in the hearts of your people. Lord, that we would not ignore this injustice. Father, we would not ignore our brothers and our sisters, but Father, we would reach out in love. And oh Lord, I pray that you would move in this hour and in this moment. For Father, that you would fulfill your will in this. Lord, that you would lift us up in your spirit. And Lord, now I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray these things in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. So as we go through this, and I'll go through this very quickly, there are four things I've seen as I walk through this. There are things that stood out. As I came to this uh, passage again, I've been planning this for weeks, and uh, interestingly, as I've approached this day with such great anticipation of the reopening of Mint Hill Baptist Church, uh, the words of this text jumped out at me in different ways. And, and the first of which that I see in this is fervent desire. First thing I see is fervent desire. That's found in, in verse 15. And then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So what is being said here with this fervent desire? 
He's, this is this intimate desire for fellowship that we, is what we want. But what Jesus is saying and, and what's being translated in this Greek, this word fervent desire is to be understood that there is a leaning in and a wanting that comes from the very fabric of human emotion. There could not be a, a greater want is what Jesus is saying in this moment. The emotion of leaning in uh, could not be greater. Christ desires this moment with his disciples. So why does he desire it? He tells us it's his last meal on earth with them. It's his last Passover with them. And he desperately desires to partake in it with them before he suffers. And I have felt the same way about today. As we've come back in this building, I have had a fervent desire to do this. I've had a fervent desire for us to break bread and to drink the cup together. And that is what we are supposed to do in a Lord's Supper. We are to have an eager desire to partake in this together. But even more so, in the same way that our Savior has a fervent desire to partake with his apostles, we are to have a fervent desire to partake in this meal again with him. See, the beauty on this, as we're going to see, is that the next time that Jesus has this meal, it will be with all of us. We will be gathered at his banquet table, and it will be believers from all time. And from all places gathered, and we will be unified. And so when we partake of this today, we are to have the same fervent desire for that day, for when it will come, for when our Savior will return, and we will be gathered around the banquet feast with him. So as we partake in this today, have a fervent desire for the coming kingdom of Christ. Have a fervent desire to eat with him and eat with each other. The second thing I see in this is the word fulfilled. See, verse 16, this is all one sentence. Well, two sentences, but one thought. He says, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. What an amazing word, fulfilled. See, what's being said here, and I don't have the time, if if this were a normal Sunday and I had the 45 minutes that I normally have to pontificate before you all, we would be digging into the, the depths of the Passover meal and what it means because every piece of the Passover meal has significance. But what we really need to know on this is that as they are participating in the Passover meal, they are looking backwards to the moment in Egypt where God rescued them. But he sent in the angel of death to take the firstborn. But every house that had the blood of the lamb painted on the lintel and the doorpost, death passed over. And so as they eat, I don't know where the apostles' minds were. I don't know if they recognized this meal as just another meal or if their hearts were back in Egypt from centuries before recognizing that God rescued through the blood of the lamb. But what Jesus is saying is that this meal that we partake in right now has its full accomplishment in the kingdom. And it's going to have its full accomplishment as Jesus goes to the cross. Death will pass over 
those covered in the blood of the Lamb. And we, as we participate, we recognize this temple dies, but through Christ our spirit never does. And so as we participate in this, we recognize the fulfillment of the promise made to us. The fulfillment of Passover. And so as we eat and we drink, we look to that fulfillment where death is no more, where tears are no more, where there is a desire to be with our Savior and to be with one another. In the coming kingdom, where there will be no more death, there will be no more disease, there will be no more riots, there will be no more anger, there will be no more frustration, there will just be Jesus. And so we should fervently desire that fulfillment of the passing over of death. Next thing I see is this, is remembrance. Look at verse 19. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We are to look back to how his body is broken. So not only to fervently desire to eat with him again, not only to see the fulfillment happen through him, but also to look backwards to the cross and to his broken body. See, we look backward as believers to that moment so that we can look forward with fervent desire. We must look back to him so that we can look forward. So what we remember today that is symbolized in the breaking of the bread focuses us on its absolute fulfillment in the future. And see, the breaking of the body, and we're going to see this even more in just a second, is part of the covenant. If you look at every covenant that God has made, there is a sacrifice that goes in it. And in that sacrifice, the animal must be broken. It must be broken in two. And if you think of the covenant made with Abraham, the animal is split in two, and God himself walks through the, the broken carcass. And so it is with Jesus that he is broken for us so that we may have a covenant with God. So we, as we participate, look backwards today, church. Look backwards so that we may look forward to the fulfillment of God. And the last thing I see in this is a covenant, is a covenant in verse 20. In the same way, he also took the cup and after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The beauty of this cup is this is the unifying of the believers. He says it pours out. But even before he speaks of pouring out, look at 17 where he says, then he took a cup, and this is a different one. He said, and after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves. Unity. But then he speaks of his blood that is poured out on all, poured out on us. This covenant is a promise made by God. And what Jesus is saying in this moment is that this is the new covenant. All other covenants are fulfilled. A new one comes forward. And this covenant has stood till this day. And this covenant will stand until the world is consumed. It is guaranteed by God. It is a vow he has made with us, and that fulfillment is in Jesus Christ and is born of his 
sacrifice as the blood pours out. And that word is so important today. Sacrifice. Jesus willingly sacrificed himself. And when I think of this word sacrifice, it comes down to one of the things that I have been struggling with as we've gone through these past few weeks. As I've watched American Christians react to COVID, I'm starting to see there is a great, loud voice for constitutional rights. But Christian, we also need to recognize covenant rights. We need to recognize the difference between constitutional rights and covenant rights. I don't want you to hear when I take the next four, step forward in this that I am against the Constitution. I am not. I am thankful unto God that he has allowed all of us to live here under this Constitution. And I am thankful for our forefathers 200 plus years ago who under God's sovereign will and their submission to it wrote this document. But I'm going to say this, Christian. Our adherence to that Constitution is born out of our adherence to the covenant of God. And the covenant of God supersedes any written document by man. If you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians 8, I want to read just the entirety of that chapter. 1 Corinthians 8, I want to speak of sacrifice and covenant rights briefly. says this, this is Paul speaking about a different meal. Now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. That's an amazing statement. How many people right now on your social media have uh, uh, people who are absolutely knowledgeable and are the best epidemiologists you've ever seen? That they, they have the knowledge of this disease. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone thinks he knows anything, he does not yet know it, as he ought to know it. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. About eating food sacrificed to idols, then, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father. All things are from him, and we exist for him. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, and all things are through him, and we exist through him. However, not everyone has this knowledge. Some have been used to idolatry up until now, that when they eat the food sacrificed to an idol, their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not bring us closer to God. We are not worse off if we don't eat, and we are not better if we do eat. But be careful that this right of yours in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, the one who has knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, won't his weak conscience be encouraged to eat food offered to idols? So the weak person, the brother or the sister for whom Christ died, is ruined by your knowledge. Now when you sin like this against brothers and sisters and wound their weak conscience, you are sinning against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother or sister to fall, I will never eat meat so that I won't cause my brother or sister to fall. A key in that is verse 9 that says, But be careful that this right of yours 
in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. Be careful that your constitutional right that you are going to exercise and say, look, you can't make me do this thing, becomes a stumbling block for the weaker Christian. And so I've watched that play out every day in social media. There are those who say, my constitutional right is infringed because you want to go to work, because you want to go to church, because you won't wear a mask. And then on the other end, there's a fight and protesting there with men with guns going up to the Capitol to say, you've got to open these churches back up. And I'm not going to wear a mask, and you can't make me wear a mask. It is my constitutional right not to do that. And this is playing out everywhere, in every form in our society. And yes, we should, and by God's grace, we can be able to speak to our constitutional rights. And we need to exercise and talk to the government and say, we have a constitutional right to do this. But brothers and sisters, we have a covenant right. And that covenant right is born of sacrifice. And Paul says this. If you exercising your right causes your brother to sin, causes your brother to fail, you have sinned against them and you have sinned against God. So he says, you sacrifice yourself willingly for their sake because our Savior sacrificed himself willingly for our sake. So I say this, if you're wearing a mask, will help someone else worship better, wear a mask. If you are concerned that someone else is not wearing a mask and that you're pushing back against them will cause them to sin by being angry, then maybe give them a pass. But brothers and sisters, we are to bow before one another in service. And just because the Constitution allows us to do it does not mean that we have to exercise that for the sake of our fellowship. So that this is not misunderstood, and I am not advocating communism and other things like that. I am advocating covenant relationship in Jesus Christ. And love prompts us to move forward. See, once we understand the covenant that has been made for us, we are going to understand Micah 6.8 much better. And Micah 6.8 is so necessary right now. It makes it Micah 6.8 work when we recognize the covenant of Jesus Christ. It says this, mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what is It is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. See, we cannot do justice until we love the covenant born of Jesus Christ's blood and walk in humility before God and before others. Once we submit where it says love faithfulness, that's to love the covenant of God. Love his faithfulness. Love his faithfulness found in Jesus Christ. Once we love that covenant, we will walk humbly. And out of that will be an outpouring of justice that will flow like a river. And that's what we need right now. So in this moment, what I would like us to do is I want us to pray And we will partake in the Lord's Supper.
So if you are at home in this moment, please join with us as we pray and we partake. And this is what I want us to do as we pray. And if you are here, let me explain this cup. You have two pieces. You have an outer cellophane that the bread is right on top. You're actually looking at it right there. And then you'll have an inner cellophane that has the juice. So as we take this moment, what I'm going to ask is this, is let's take a moment to pray. We need to pray for our nation. But as we pray, examine your heart. Ask for a fervent desire for the eating with Jesus Christ as we partake this. That should be what we think of. The fervent desire to see him. The fervent desire of the fulfillment of the Passover. We should look back and remember his broken body. And then we should think of the blood that is spilled in our covenant rights in that. So pray with me for a moment. If you're online with us, pray with us. And then we will partake. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I have so desired this day. But Lord, I desire the kingdom so much more. May it be present in our hearts right now, unified under the blood of Christ. Lord, I give you thanks that we are gathered. Lord, I give you thanks for the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. Amen.